I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids, I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. Welcome to this week's Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, sitting once again for Sean Ed this week. And it's been International Week, but that doesn't mean there's still not a lot to talk about. And joining me to look through everything, as always, is former FA Media Officer and Aston Villa Media Officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, you, Luke. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, also joining us is um, our regular male look at the women's side of the game and especially in the National League he'll have that review later on for us it is Andrew Rayburn hi Andrew hi Luke good to be and, back in and sports commentator I'll call you as well sports broadcaster That's by the one we'll do yeah <laughs> and also join us is a is a writer and journalist and also football agent he looks after some of the women stars in our game it is David Fernand hi David hi how are you I'm very well, thank you. Um, so, before we get on to other matters, we'll just have a quick look at the uh, international week so far. And, and England were supposed to be playing their first game since March, but uh, in the end, a positive coronavirus test for one of the team's backroom staff meant that that game was called off. And a real frustration in the end, although Phil Neville said that uh, it was absolutely the right course of action. But uh, it's just a shame, really. Um, that that's been called off and the next game now will be on the 1st of December. Fortunately as well, from an England player's point of view, they, they will not have to self-isolate. So uh, that shouldn't affect any Super League games coming up this weekend. Yeah, yeah, 100% Luke. I think, it, you know, it's, it's totally understandable. It's definitely the right call. Um, I know how diligent that setup is and, you know, any risk is obviously averted very, very quickly. But I do have to say, I do feel sorry for some of those players that are in some of their first camps. It was their first opportunity of earning a cap there. You know, the likes of Katie Zellen from Man United was really in the thick of it in the training point of view. Obviously can't play now, but yeah, safety is paramount. And, you know, there'll be other opportunities, won't there? There's a bigger picture here, I think. Absolutely. And uh, as I say, England's next game is against Norway at Bramall Lane on the 1st of December. That will be shown on BBC Four, but we hope to be there as well and do some sort of special podcast for you as well, all being well, fingers crossed. The other home nations as well, it's been a, a decent week for them. The Wales, they coasted to Fornavitri over the Faroe Islands and that keeps their hopes of reaching a first major finals on track. They were so they were so close to, to qualifying the last time out before losing a playoff and they now face group leaders Norway in Cardiff on Tuesday evening. Uh, and it, it's a very good result that for Wales, and they've almost got one hand on qualification now. Yeah, I think Wales are looking very strong. Um, it's it's really just between Wales and Norway. I think there's there's only something like four points in it um, between them. Um, Wales very strong in sort of the, the WSL. I think um, you know they, they almost dominate the the Reading team. 
and there's a really good sort of togetherness uh, between them. I think Jaden Ludlow is doing a, a cracking job in terms of the way she plays the team. Um, and, and when they played away at Norway, I thought they put up a, a good performance um, and were, you know, sort of unfortunate to sort of come away with a 1-0 defeat. Yeah, and of course, leading Watford's, uh, Watford's Helen Ward is Wales's leading ever scorer. She is on, uh, she's in the squad as well, and she's hoping to join us on next week's podcast to review all the action. So we look forward to that. And uh, Scotland, they also maintain their 100% start to the women's 2022 qualifying. They brushed aside Albania at Tyne Castle. A double from Caroline Weir and one from Captain Rachel Corsi means that they are now a point behind leaders Finland and they face them in Helsinki on a Tuesday and they're currently in second place. And, and Scotland in a good place as well. So we could have a tournament next year where it's England, Wales and Scotland, potentially Northern Ireland and the Republic as well. Be lovely, wouldn't it, really? Um, yep, Scotland, three wins out of three, 16 goals and none conceded. I mean, you can't get much better than that, really. Um, it is going to be about, uh, uh, probably anyway, the, the that game in Helsinki. If Scotland were to end up losing that 100% record, then uh, they start to look over their shoulders with Portugal, of course, looming as well. Um, but yeah, as you say, the other... Um, home nations, uh, Republic of Ireland um, in second behind uh, dominant Germany. Um, uh, they had a blow, though, didn't they? They lost, they lost in Ukraine, so that was a bit of a blow for them, wasn't it? Yeah, they lost. Uh, yeah, they lost by the odd goal there in uh, in Ukraine. Um, you know, Germany will will, will top that group. Um, it's about now Ireland trying to. Uh, Finish among the, the the three best runners up, or uh, or of course the, the the lottery, not the lottery as such, but the uh, the, the the finger, uh, the uh, nail biting uh, playoffs. And also Northern Ireland, as I said, they've they've got an outside chance at the minute. They're, they're six behind six points behind second place Wales and ten behind leaders Norway. So it looks like they are playing for second place. And a nice moment as well this week in Kirsty. And Caitlin McGuinness are both in the squad. Caitlin's the younger sister of Kirsty, and uh, it's the first time they'll be together. And uh, it, it, it's great to see uh, great to see the siblings in there, especially at this level. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's that's the sort of thing that uh, that, that that can be thrown up, can't it? Uh, uh, it? It must be great. It must be great for them in terms of. Uh, their team, as you say, it's um, it's looking like they're gonna. I mean, we're, we're gonna need to get some positive results sooner rather than later if they're to try and uh, try and catch Wales um, for that second place. Um, they've got uh, a couple of home games remaining: Belarus um, and the Faroe Islands. The Faroe Islands are the whipping boys of the competition or that group. Um, no goals and thirty-seven conceded. So Northern Ireland will hope to win that one. Mm. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's been yeah, the, a big the, the, couple of games for them, isn't it? Because they played Belarus on Tuesday away and then they've got the return, like you say, in Belfast. They'll overtake Belarus with a win if they win on Tuesday. Um, so they'll be hoping to do that. And then obviously, like you say, win the other two, two home games to give them a little bit of a sniff. Yeah, it does give them a little bit of a sniff. I mean, that game in Belarus, uh, which obviously we're... Uh, we are recording, you know, recording this before that game. I mean, yes, if they can win there, Belarus will will still have a game in hand, but it does then put the pressure on the Belarusians. 
um, and equally cranks up the pressure a little bit on Wales. And then um, particularly, you know, if uh, Wales end up losing to Norway, um, then it becomes, again, a, a wide open competition for second. I'm just glad our, our Welsh fans who are sometimes on the podcast, uh, Welsh friends even, uh, and on the podcast today because they'll be unhappy with you saying that, Andrew. They won't want, won't want any slip ups, will they? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from a, a, a I'm speaking from a, a position of strength this week. I'd have, uh, I'd, <laughs> yeah. have I'd have kept quiet probably yeah. in uh, in other weeks. Yeah, yeah. Sean will be giving you the uh, the dirty looks next week when she's back on. Moving on then, uh, moving away from international football, we're going to look now at the National League. Of course, no Super League or Championship games this weekend because of that. And uh, Andrew, an interesting weekend in the National League. In the South, there was only one game. So let's just start on that one and get that one out of the way. And then we'll look at the full fixture list in the Northern Premier Division. Yep, certainly. Uh, Jitter Cup matches, uh, only the one game, as you say, in the South. Uh, it was at... Uh, Wesley Park at Havenhamall to Louisville's ground. Uh, Portsmouth beat Gillingham uh, 2-1 to go into second in the division. Atisha Charles actually put the jewels ahead early on, uh, but Becky Bath equalised midway through the first half. And then uh, a few minutes before the end, Ava Rowbottom, better late than never for her and Portsmouth as she uh, won it late on in front of a crowd. Decent crowd, actually, a 304 at Wesley Park. Um, AFC filed. They're the new leaders of the Northern Premier Division. They beat Loughborough 4-0 to make the most of the previous leaders, Nottingham Forest, dropping points. It could have been worse for Forest. Listen to this. They trailed 2-0 against Hull going into injury time, but they staged a remarkable comeback to draw 2-2. Annabelle McKechnie got one back in the 92nd minute, and then Rosie Axton can coolly converted a 95th minute penalty. God, how, what the nerves must have been like at that point uh, to earn Forrest a draw. Uh, they still slipped to third, though, with Huddersfield going second. Level on points with filed after a 2-1 win at Sheffield. There was a fourth defeat in seven matches for last season's dominant force, Sunderland. Uh, this time they were beaten 2-1 at West Brom, who got the winner in the 88th minute. West Brom stayed fourth. Sunderland remained eighth. Derby won 4-1 at Middlesbrough with all the goals coming in an action-packed first half. And Burnley and Stoke drew one all in a mid-table encounter. Uh, as for this weekend's matches, Fylde travelled to Stoke, while Huddersfield host West Brom. Nottingham Forest travelled to Sunderland. Derby entertained Burnley. Hull host Sheffield, while the match between Loughborough and Middlesbrough already looks important for both teams towards the bottom. And looking quickly at the Southern Premier Division, uh, two standout matches really in the South with the two pace setters both facing tricky away games. Leaders Oxford United go to Yeovil United, while Portsmouth travel to Crawley Wasps. Watford hosts struggling Plymouth. MK Dons, uh, who have improved a bit this season, they face another improving side in Canesham, while Chichester and Selsey host a Hounslow side who have yet to score in the league this season. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Well, we're going to move on next now and look at a slightly different topic. One, the life of an agent, and two, the pay sort of gender or the pay discrimination in terms of gender, really. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to listen, have a chance to listen to our special podcast that we've got out, a gender discrimination in football special. We had Shauna David with us, Karis Newton, and Kate McKenna from the BBC talking about what it's like for women in football, both playing and in the media. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have got David Fernhead with us. And David, uh, first of all, 
what's the life of an agent like? Well, at the moment, it's very strange because normally my weekends will be spent traveling up and down the country, going to matches, meeting the players. Um, due to COVID, that's not possible. I don't want to break the bubble. So it's a, it's a lot of WhatsApp at the moment, unfortunately. And uh, I'm relegated to watching most of the games via the, the FA player or occasionally they're on the other media. Yeah, and obviously you've got, you have got, as you say, lots of players um, who represented a couple in the Wales squad as well. And and you, you do do a bit of broadcasting and journalism. Just tell us how you got into the agent side, really. Really just uh, by necessity. I just saw there was a, there was players who weren't being looked after properly, opportunities that the players were looking for that, that nobody was really giving them. Um, and it was a case of just stepping up. Um, for the women's side, it, it really started for me with watching the, the World Cup in 2015. Um, I'd worked on the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and worked on the, the women's football side of it and was massively impressed just by how good it was in 2000. Uh, and in 15 years, the, the rate in which the quality had really come on and, and sort of caught up the, the sort of leading nations, which were, you know, America and Scandinavia used to dominate it, Germany a little bit. And then you could see that there was a lot more depth in there. Um, one of the big surprise packages for me for the 2015 uh, World Cup was Korea. Um, and there was a player playing for Korea called Cho So-hyun, who I just thought was was a fantastic player. And I just thought, what is she not doing playing in a, in a in a bigger league. Um, she was sort of in at the WK league and then she played in Japan. Um, and then a few years later, um, after I'd got in touch with her, um, she moved to Norway and I sort of spoke to her one day and said, basically, what are you doing in Norway? Um, and she said that uh, an agent had, had approached her um, and basically just dropped her in Norway <laughs> without any real follow-up. Um, and I said, well, someone of your quality I'd love to see you playing in the WSL um, and she said well you know I've, I've I've not really got any representation so if we can sort that out then that would be great and that's that's really how it all started. Yeah and you actually represent three Korean players now don't you which which is quite a big thing. Yeah I think um, with the success that Cho had and then Cho obviously mentioned me to her, her teammates um, so Lee Gumin came over, um, w- went into the Man City team. Yeah, they were, when they, they signed her just on the back of her sort of performances at the, the World Cup, she was probably the standout player for career at that World Cup. Um, and yeah, she, she, she came over and, and sort of didn't get the matches that she wanted playing for, for Man City. Um, so this season she's gone on loan to, to Brighton and it seems to be going in very well for her. She seems to be gelling with the team and... and I think she's hit the the woodwork a couple of times, so she's just sort of fractionally off that first goal. And I think once she gets that, she'll be away. And there's also um, Jean Gaul, who has uh, signed for Reading this season. She was originally at uh, at Bristol, but only managed to play. I think it was about four games for them before COVID hit, um, and due to sort of financial constraints, really, they 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 released her. But fortunately, Reading. Um, when they found out, obviously, that she was available, um, snapped her up because she is a, a top, top talent who's, who's played in, in America and also in Australia. Presumably, there is, a, as, as you pointed out at the beginning, really, of what you said, there is a, a gap in the market to be to be had there for, for player representation. You were sort of, you know, there was a, there was a need that was untapped. Yeah, it was it was a need that was untapped, and and to be honest, a lot of the the agents, male agents, wouldn't tap it because there's there's no 
there's not much profit in it, basically. Um, you know, it's, you're far easier moving men, one man, than you are moving a, a bunch of women. You, you have to do the same amount of work, um, probably more so, actually, for the women, but the, the rewards aren't as great. So you've got to be in it for the, for the sort of right reasons. Um, there are stories that I'm hearing now that there are some, you know, agents who aren't in it for the right reasons and, and sort of players do need to start taking maybe good advice um, in terms of before they sign with an agent because there are, with the money coming in, obviously there's, there's people trying to take advantage of it. Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask is about sort of where you think player education fits into all this, because um, you obviously talked about uh, being being dumped in, a, in an unsuitable country by, by an agent. Um, players who have not been used to having representation, they've got to know what is the right thing and what isn't. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, players can be fooled by good websites and, and you know, the... the uh, the agent's telling them all the right thing about who else they represent. But I think bottom line is, is you should maybe speak to the, the PFA. Um, they're very useful in terms of what you can look out for from an agent. Um, I know that the PFA do actually represent some players and, you know, that, that in itself has a bit of conflict, but at the same time, they do give good advice to agents. Most uh, agents should, if they're dealing with anybody in this country, be, be regulated by the, um, by the FA and should be a registered intermediary. Um, and, and generally, the, the, the basic thing that the, the, um, any FA contract, the standard FA contract says, is that really what you're looking to do is, is as an agent, you should only be, be taking maybe 5%. And where, wherever that's possible, you, you try and do it via the fact that you, you get the club to pay it as a benefit of the player. I've, I've heard some horror stories about um, agents going, signing up loads of girls saying, I'll get you a, a professional club and making them pay a, a sort of monthly fee to them and then not doing very much for the monthly fee. Um, so there are, there, are, there are some horror stories going around there. But again, there, there are some very good agents around um, I mentioned um, the PFA, Marie at the PFA is great. Um, there's Triple S as well. Um, a guy there named Callum who's absolutely, um, you know, fantastic. He's, he's probably one of the guys that I go to um, for advice as well. So there are there are people in it who do it the right way. But um, I, I would advise all players to be very cautious in terms of who they're signing up with. Um, you know, because there are there are some rogue elements out there now. Same in the men's game. You've got. Um... You've got some agents who I'd say are greedy, and then you've got some who are like brilliant and just want the players, players welfare, um, basically the best for their player, don't they? Yeah, the the best thing to do actually is if you are a player, is speak to other players um, and ask them what their agent does for them. Um, you know, does their agent cost them a fortune and not do very much, or, or you know, are they making the best decisions? for the player in order for that player to advance their career, which really should be the number one priority. It shouldn't just be about a payday for the agent. So in, from your own perspective then, how do you gain the trust of, of those players and perhaps some of the parents for some of the, the younger players? Um, a lot of it's just by talking. So with, with um, Georgia Wilson, who I got, who was a young player, um, at, at Bristol, I, I'd spotted Georgia playing for Bristol um, and, and was really impressed by her and sort of just approached her and said, look, have you got representation? I, I, I showed her a sample of the, the contract. So I, I let every player see the, see the contract and I literally say to them, read the contract. 
Anything you don't get, it doesn't matter how stupid you think the question is. Read the contract, come back to me, and I'll explain it to you. And I'll explain it to you as many times until you get it. Um, and with Georgia as well, I also said, look, here's my number. Let me, you know, your mum and dad can speak to me as well. I'm happy to speak to them um, if, if it makes you feel better. And generally, that's just the way it is. I think you've just got to be honest about it. Um, and I think also it, it sort of helped with, with Bristol because I'd brought um, Jean Garoul there, who was a, a Korean who didn't really speak any English. Um, and I think she, she was aware of how much work, extra work I was doing to make sure Jean was okay. So, um, you know, that, that works out. And, and the same with sort of Azmita Ali, when I saw her, um, obviously you'd be more familiar with her being Aston Villa, uh, who I think is a, a tremendous talent. Um, you know, and it was just a case of talking, talking it through with her uh, in terms of what, what I could offer, what I couldn't offer, um, and just making sure a player is, is 100% happy. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the best you can do, uh, really. In your view, David, with it uh, be it the men's game or the women's game, um, what should an agent be getting involved with and what shouldn't they be getting involved with, if you follow me? Yeah, it, it does depend on, on the, you know, in terms of the agent, in terms of what he wants to take on, because you can take on a sort of more managerial role. Um, I think one of the one of the things that we do have with um, with agents is, is basically the main thing that they should be doing is negotiating contracts, making sure that everything's running smoothly with the club. Um, and then it's, it's you know, you can do extras. So for my players, I'll do a lot of extra stuff for them where I'll try and find them commercial deals. I'll try and find them sponsorship deals, um, anything that sort of helps them out, put extra money or extra extra things gifted for them. I think we've just, we've just done something with um, a couple of um, trench London and, and jacket um, for some of my players where they've, they've sort of gifted them coats and things, which... You know, it all helps in the women's game. So you can do little extras like that. Um, but bottom line is you need to make sure that that player is well looked after in their contract, that the club is honouring the contract um, and that, you know, they are not being exploited by either, either the club or anybody else. And just so, uh, David, when we've spoken before, uh, you've mentioned about sort of the money side. Obviously, we know money can be king in football, not necessarily even in the professional game at the women's level, is it? No, and I think, um, you know, what that's one of the dangers is, is as, a, as an agent, you can have big clubs interested in your players, um, but you've also got to balance that with the fact that, you know, if you take one of your young players and you stick her in a big club and she's sat on the bench and not going anywhere, is that really good for the for the player? We had a situation with with... Uh, Lee Goomin at Manchester City where you know Manchester City really rated her um, obviously they signed her and I kept getting good feedback but she just wasn't fitting into the the way the formation that they wanted to play um, and she wasn't getting games and it, it was really a question of where does she go next and, and one of the choices that that we sort of made when I spoke to to, to Lee Goomin was you know we need a club where you're going to play a lot more where you're going to get games and, and enjoy your football. And, and, you know, fortunately we found that in Brighton uh, in terms of, you know, it was just a really good match. And there was possibilities of her going to, to bigger clubs in Europe, um, but they weren't, they weren't quite right, right for her. And it's the same with them. Um, you know, Jean Go, we had offers coming in from, from Italy as well um, from, you know, other big clubs, but, 
we just felt that that Reading was the best fit for her in terms of you know her being happy and her playing football. Yeah, and it must help as well in terms of you know of that market that you maybe get more players from Korea coming to you because obviously you've got three players who you represent who are playing in the WSL and also you've already got G's at Chelsea as well who's kind of a superstar there. So does that help as well, I suppose, in getting more Korean players over that they can see all those players in the WSL? Yeah, it does. But I think one of the one of the concerns that I would have with the Korean team at the moment, um, and, and I'm really thankful actually that they brought in Colin Bell, um, who I think is going to make them a lot stronger team, is that that team was actually losing quality from from sort of the, the heyday of the, the 2015. And there wasn't the talent coming through. Um, I think the WK League in their domestic league is a little bit too comfortable for a lot of the players. And a lot of the top players can can earn sort of good money and, and play nice, easy football and not be too stressed. Um, and you, it takes some, some players with the right sort of mentality to sort of say, right, I, I want to go and play in Europe. I want to get better. And I think that's that's the thing that, that Korea needs to do. It needs to get more players abroad to get stronger. Um, but they need to have the the mentality. Um, you know, the Korean players that I've spoke to when they come over, there is a big shift. It is a it is a physical, much more physical game in Europe. It's a harder game. The WSL is 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 a harder league. Um, you know, and, and as we've seen, you've got to have quality to sort of step up and you've got to be, you've got to be a G, you've got to be a Cho to be able to handle that. What level of the women's pyramid would you say players should think about representation? Um, I think really it's anywhere where you're looking at um, sort of professional contracts, really. So WSL, you definitely want it. Um, If you are in the championship and you're sort of a player who is aspiring to the WSL or or think that is possible, then, yeah, you probably do. Um, A a good agent will will always try and move a player from, you know, semi-professional into professional. But the the money isn't there in terms of semi-professional. So a lot of agents are reluctant to do it. Um, but I will look at players who are playing in, in the championship who aren't professional and look to see where I can get them into the professional game or, or back into the professional game, which is what I did with, with Tash Flynn. In the game of football generally, are they perhaps the m- most misunderstood role in football, do you think, by the general public? Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's an element that they think that it's it's parasitic. Um, there are those certainly in the men's game who have you know, not really done uh, the profession any great favours. Um, and there are those in the women's game now. But I think genuinely a lot of the agents would, would be there wanting to get the best for the players, wanting to, to make sure that the player... Um, you know, certainly in the women's game, you, you sort of really, the money side of it is more sort of, have they got enough to, to be able to afford to rent? Have they got enough to be able to afford to put food on the table? You know, you, you're really looking to, to almost cover the basics for a lot of the female players rather than just trying to hoard in, in millions. And I presume, are you, are you still looking to uh, expand your portfolio or are you happy with your lot at the minute? Um, I, I'm very happy with the players that I've got at the minute, but um, obviously I, I constantly look out for, for new players. I'm not someone who will just sign any player that comes my way and hope to do something with them. I think whilst you can do that and, and it, it can be an earner for you in terms of just having a, a massive pool, um, for me, it's 
I like to do a little bit more for my players. I like to work harder for my players to sort of really sort of be there as a sort of helping hand, um, second coach or manager or whatever to come to and speak to for advice. And I think if you take on too many players, then you're going to diminish that. Um, at the moment, I can take on, you know, a few more. Um, but I, I certainly won't just be looking to just sign up anybody. Um, you know, the, it, I will only sign someone if I genuinely think I can I can sort of help them with their career and, and they can do better under me. So you prefer a smaller pool then of players that you, you know you can kind of give that personal touch to then? Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. I think that's that's what you've got to do. I think if you are, there are agents that I know that just go around signing up whatever player they can get hold of and turn around to them and say, sorry, I can't do anything with you um, or whatever and, and or not pushing them as much. I think as an agent, what I'm trying to do is make sure that I'm, I'm always there on the phone for them if they need me I can I can get around the games I can watch the games I can speak to them individually about the performances um and sort of you know I've got a background in football so I can sort of talk to them about tactics and you know the more playing side of it as well um and not just be there for when contract time is up um and you know they get a call every every time a contract's open they don't hear from from the rest of the year that's that's not how I want to operate that yeah, that's that's brilliant, David. That's a, a, a really good insight into how it all works, and uh, it's been a really interesting chat. And uh, thanks for joining us today. No problem. You're welcome. And my thanks as well to Emily and Andrew for joining us once again this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And we'll be back next weekend to look back at the women's FA Cup final between Everton and Manchester City, and the Championship and the National League, of course and a roundup of all the midweek international fixtures. But until then, take care and look after yourselves, and we'll see you all very soon.